Hello and welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. And I'm Tristan. And Tristan, you watched the wrong dang movie. Oh, he did. My. He did. I, Listeners, he did. so Elijah, where the heck are you? He's not here. Brings on watched, fiance for one episode and thinks he can just now be on. Folks, I watched the European version of this film, of which apparently the only difference is who won the franchise wars. Which is a vital part of this movie. It is a very important part of this movie. It, it, yeah, the plot point is, but who won it is not vital. I'd beg it does to not differ. Change, it does not change the plot at all. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. Okay, how? Because you want to know something? Prove Here's it. the thing. Here's the Prove thing. It. Is that someone who would risk their life to steal Pizza Hut is less of a pressing matter than someone who would risk their life for Taco Bell. Also, in thinking about based on whose opinion? Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Which restaurant what? do you think more closely associates with the term demolition man? It's obviously Taco Bell. Well, according to uh, the people who made this movie in European markets, that would be Pizza Hut. I don't make the rules, Ben. That's just how it is. Well, the Europeans are wrong. So, well, perhaps they are. I, 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 I don't know what to tell who, you. Who, who am I to judge? I don't care, Ben. I don't care. Do I look like a man who well. cares about that? Do I? Absolutely. Doug, what did we watch this week? That's a great question. We watched the 1993 smash hit. I don't even know if it was a smash hit, but I'm going to call it a smash hit. Demolition Man, starring Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock, Benjamin Bratt, Bob Gunton, Dennis Leary, and Nigel Hawthorne, and the guy who played Otho in Beetlejuice, and hey. also a small uh, momentary cameo from a young Jack Black. Um, Wait, what? Who? Where? Oh, yeah, he's in this movie. Um, He's in this movie. He's one of uh, Dennis Leary's guys. What about the receptionist at the police station? Uh, Rob Schneider. Yeah, Rob Schneider's in this movie. Yeah. I yeah, listed all the good cameos. ones. I listed <laughs> all the good ones. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, this movie was uh, directed by Marco Brambilla. Uh, it was made, again, 1993. Ratings-wise, it has a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, a 62% on The Rottenest of Tomatoes, a 74% on JustWatch.com, and an 87% on The Google. And on Common Sense Media, uh, for the first time in a while, I feel like, we have a movie that did not rate very well. Uh, this movie only <laughs> earned two stars out of five on Common Sense Media. Wow. Um. Y'all, violent, profanity-filled '90s sci-fi action movie. It is you... profanity-filled. Yes, Tristan. I, I just had a quick question. You know, mm -hmm. we we cover this often. We always talk about common sense media, but why do we care so much about common sense media? Please inform our viewers, our listeners. Um, well, you see, common sense media is actually one of our biggest fans. Uh, they have listened to every single episode of the podcast. They finance this podcast. Or at least they could. We know you're listening right now, Common Sense Media. Of course we do. We know Common Sense Media is listening. That's that. I mean, what? It's just that it's like about kids, right? Like it's movies for kids. Like yeah, it's rating movies from a family family friendly perspective. But we have we've definitely watched movies that are not family friendly, but have gotten a good review on. Oh yeah, that's it's just so weird. It's just strange. Um. 
And I think that's why we're so fixated on it. It came up in a few of uh, the reviews that Doug has had, and they're always just so bizarre. Yeah. We just always like to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I mean, the new uh, Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon, got four stars on Common Sense Media <laughs> compared to this. So, um, yeah. You know, House uh... of the Dragon does seem very family friendly. So, yeah, of course. I, I also, I also, real quick, just wanted to say, I feel like I need to withdraw my statement that it was a box office smash hit because it, I'm getting some competing numbers here because it was made on a budget of $57 million. Mm -hmm. IMDb claims that it made $58 million at the box office. Smash hit. Uh, Google, on the other hand, claims that it made $159 million at the box smash office. Smash hit. Which is a smash hit. Either way, smash hit. So, it made well, at least its budget back. So, I mean, which does not at, make the end of the, at the end of the day, it's a win. I love this net movie. Net positive. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I I'll be the first to say I recommended this movie for the podcast a couple, uh, I guess, a couple weeks, couple months ago. Um, I love this movie. I have loved this movie for many, many years. It is one that I think about probably once a week, just because it's so in its own little bubble of existence. But it is so freaking funny and so. Mm -hmm just entertaining to watch um yeah uh i i'm the only one who has watched this movie before so i'll go on and say i watched this movie probably when i was in like seventh or eighth grade with my cousin and we both were watching it for the first time and we were hooked from the minute the credits rolled from the minute the opening credits rolled um from the minute we saw that flaming uh visage of uh of hollywood california and yeah. we were we were in we were in from there yeah i mean it put it puts you in the hot seat real quick yeah. mm -hmm. and literally and as i've gotten older here's the thing i think this movie is so so 90s it's such a time capsule of its decade and like of its time and like what people thought the future was going to be but it also is such clever and relevant satire for today mm -hmm. yeah it, it's it's a good it's a good mix because we've seen movies that have taken it to the 90s extreme of like wow these are 90s pop culture mm -hmm. icons and trends mm -hmm. like um this was in our old podcast but idiocracy um, well i was gonna say that but it's kind of um because idiocracy say, is the movie that kept popping up in my head every second of this movie I, the... I, I would agree that i think idiocracy is a good sort of uh uh it has good elements alternative yeah. option to like look not alternative option but like a good sort of comparison comparison thank you i can't think of the word yeah that's kind of like an extreme of, of like one of the extremes of like okay this is like a wild time. And mm -hmm. then you've got like, uh, what's the other one? The Brennan Fraser movie? Oh, uh, uh, back, Blast from the Past. Blast from the Past, where it's like not as wild like of a future, but plenty of 90s isms where people thought this is what the future is going to be like. Yeah. Kind of deal. Um, 
so it was a wild time in the 90s yeah so seeing as neither of you have seen this movie before what do you expect what were you expecting going in if anything I didn't expect this movie to be as smart as it was. Because, mm-hmm. uh, man, it's a 90s action movie starring Sylvester Stallone. I and Wesley their... Snipes. I will say I'm not as familiar with Wesley Snipes. I know he did Blade. Outside of that, I'm not familiar with his body of work, so I can't speak to that. But I knew it was a 90s action movie starring Sylvester Stallone, so I expected it to contain very little plot and a lot of blowing up. I was half right. I... I was surprised to see Sandra Bullock on the cast list for this because That's I have it. a pretty good idea of how old Sandra Bullock is. And I was like, she is extremely young to be in this movie. And I think she was like 18 when I looked it up, like 18 when they filmed this. So maybe 19. So yeah, I was just surprised by that. I haven't seen any Wesley Snipes movies though, I don't think. This is the first one. She was way over. 18 when this movie was shot really well, well, well okay, i guess she i hey, guess Siri. she was 19 i guess she was 19 what year was sandra bullock born 1964 okay i found this on the web for how do you reset your bird form come check it out it's oh, 1964 no, she she okay. was born in 1964 oh well then that's yeah she's so almost, she was almost 30 so then, almost, yeah that's true yeah yeah, I guess I missed. So she's twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how math works. Sorry, anyway, I have uh, that too. Well, thank you. Um, uh, because Siri was not helpful. Yeah, uh, but I think, I think she's so funny in this, and I think, I, I love serious Sandra Bullock. Like, I think she's very good in Gravity. You know, there are plenty of issues with the Blind Side, but I think she's good in that. Bird Box, I think, is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But I love Sandra Bullock in comedies. I think she's such a good comedic actor. I think she's so freaking funny. And she's allowed to be really funny in this movie. You know, I take it take it for what it is. I actually kind of enjoyed The Lost City. I thought that was a funny movie. I wanted to say it. I heard actually really good things about it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't finish it because I was on a cruise ship watching it. So, but um, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Um. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna let one of y'all kind of take us through like what what this movie's about. But before we do that, I do just want to say that a very important part of this movie involves Sylvester Stallone being cryogenically frozen. Mm-hmm. And, not his character actually just Sylvester Stallone yeah just Sylvester Stallone um, and and so what happens is you get the opening credits of this movie being shown uh, while you are given like a 360 degree view of this essentially Sylvester and Stallone sickle um, it's just his uh, you know naked body frozen out a block of ice so interesting little bit of trivia for yeah. you. Interesting little bit of trivia for you. Uh, this movie, uh, a promotional product they made was 20 or 30 of those sculptures of just Sylvester Stallone's nude body and a block of ice. Mm. And they gave them to, I think, Taco Bell's just to promote the movie. 
in America, that is. I mean, what better way to chill your Mountain Dew Baja Blast than with a Sylvester Stallone sickle? When I tell you, when I tell you, there are a few props or pieces of merchandise from movies that I would pay an ungodly amount of money for. That's one of them. Duly noted. I, yeah, it's a full prop here. I'm I'm looking at it. I Googled it. Yeah. It looks, um, it's a good prop. Yeah. Well, Tristan, since you were the last person to say words, um, why don't you tell us what this movie's about? Sure. Uh, well, um, the future happens. Yay. Uh, there's war. It's bad. Um, the entirety of Los Angeles is at war. Um, and seemingly the only man who could stop the big bad is the demolition man, which has a presence already in this, in this film before the, it starts. I guess he's just really good at demolishing things, which shows that he is because he like kills a bunch of people as he tries to stop this man. So they put him in jail. They freeze him. 37 or 38 years go by, something like that. The guy who did the bad things, the demolition man caught, Wesley Snipes' character, gets out. They let him out. He's done being rehabilitated. Turns out he's not rehabilitated. He goes and kills people. He gets guns. There, The police are like, well, we're useless because society at this point is a, um, a paradise, a dystopian paradise, basically. So there's no crime or anything, and the police are shocked when someone dies. They don't know what to do. So they decide to get the demolition man out of frozen uh, carbonite or whatever, and, uh, you know, Star Wars. And uh, they let him loose. He goes after Wesley Snipes. Uh, chaos ensues. Sandra Bullock is there to be a funny little sidekick. And uh, surprisingly, not as sexualized, which was nice. Um and bam, we get some demolition. Man. There you There's go. also an underground rebellion who didn't like this uh, dystopian. Yeah, very utopia. underutilized subplot, probably. But, um, you know, that's there too. And uh, what's his name's in charge of that? Uh, Dennis Leary. Friendly. Yeah. So Dennis Leary's in this movie as like the leader of a of a underground movement of hungry people underground uh, rebellion and jack black is there too mm-hmm. with his group uh, an unknown actor so that is uh that's the plot of the movie and doug's seen it uh, eight thousand times i have i have I've seen it once today i saw it once yesterday yeah yeah, yeah. um so so yeah so we get we get just this <laughs> this uh, showdown between uh, John Spartan, aka the Demolition Man, hey, hey, his name. Shines. I was in here I was like, what is his AKA name? Aka John Spartan, and uh, and aka the get, Master Chief, and you get the criminal, uh, the criminal mastermind known as Simon Phoenix, or as Sylvester Stallone prefers to call him, Phoenix. Not to be confused with Blade. Or yes. Rocky. Yes. Did do you guys realize that like how how it seems like Halo just copied this? Like with this name? Do you know that? Do you look in, in Halo, the guy, Master Chief, his name is John One One Seven and he's a Spartan. Hmm. What is that? What, what, what? 
What's Halo doing here, huh? All right, whatever. Just want to throw, point that out. Anyway. I mean, we know that uh, the creator of Halo is listening, so I'm sure he yeah. will take note. <laughs> Mr. Bungie. Mr. Bungie. <laughs> Mr. Bungie, and of course, the uh, the the funder of Halo, um, Mr. Bill William, Gates. William Gates. <laughs> Bill Gates is the master chief. Yeah, yeah, he is John Spartan. Um, but uh, yeah. but but anyway, yeah. So so we've got this story of decades long rivalry, uh, in which things just happen to get demolished, and in the middle of it, we have an we have a very enticing uh social commentary going on. Yeah, I mean about- it's interesting go ahead it, it's 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 a bit refreshing for me to and it, it they did this surprisingly well to be thrust into a story that has already been happening like it it is all it is already a hellscape that has been destroyed we already see a rivalry between demolition man and whatever wesley well, phoenix. phoenix phoenix yeah phoenix and yeah, and we like he catches Phoenix, and then that's the last straw because he kills a bunch more people in trying to do it. Well, allegedly, Al- allegedly, I don't know. Yeah, no, probably no, no, no. not. So, 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 what happens is that at the time it's allegedly, and then later in the movie it's revealed that Phoenix had killed them all long before Sean Spark oh. had ever gotten there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's true. Forgot about that. So, but I mean, but I like he's already been hunting phoenix you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. we didn't see any of that and that's kind of cool that we're just in it it's like this world is hell welcome (laughs) um um yeah like like they don't spend a whole like a ton of time on exposition and just like totally ruin it by just explaining every little detail you know they just put yeah i think i think one like the real benefits of this movie is that it treats its audience with a lot of respect and saying you're either going to get this or you're not. And I think, I think that that's really one of its biggest strengths is just the fact that, you know, they don't hold your hand. They just throw you right into it. And they say, here's the world as it is in 1997. um, And here's the world as it is in 2032. And, you know, I love the fact that they don't make it look like the future is something that everyone is enjoying or everyone is a fan of because you see uh you see Lenina Huxley played by Sandra Bullock you see her just clamoring for some action you know outwardly cursing even though there's a fine associated with it you you see that there are clear which was a funny gag and you see the first the first glimmer of of Dennis Leary's revolutionaries and you and you get like like there are clearly some cracks in here yeah there there are clearly some some cracks in the foundation of this society and i i love the fact that i love the fact that you know sort of the impetus of this movie can be summed up in john spartan's not so great uh final speech to everyone saying you know all right here's what you're gonna do you are gonna get a little clean you are gonna get a little dirty, and somewhere in the middle of it, I don't know. You'll figure it out. <laughs> truly, 
the 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 voice of words a generation, ladies and gentlemen. Words to live by, truly. Words to live I, by. I mean, like me as my analytical brain thought when I was watching this is like, what about the rest of the country? What are what is that like if this is just California, you know? But like, it doesn't matter. The movie. As like it far, doesn't, but the, as far as yeah, the rest exactly. of us are concerned, it was blown off the face well, of the that, earth. That, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it does not matter in this movie, and it never makes me feel like I have to care about it. Yeah, and it's it's just it it's it does really well to say, here's what you got, here's where you're working. Let's like in the like I know we talk about Star Wars a lot, but in Episode Four, when Obi Wan mentions the Clone Wars, like eventually we got Clone Wars content. Thirty years later. <laughs> And maybe, hey, 30 years later, coming up, we could make a franchise wars, you know, but they just, they just mention it that, you know, it's just like, hey, also, uh, Taco Bell won the franchise wars. Anyway, moving on. It's like, um, what also, the hell is the franchise wars? Also, Arnold Schwarzenegger became president. After the 41st Amendment apparently changed that requirement. The 61st. Yeah. 61st. Yeah, in my version. Yeah. Also, the fact that we're supposed to get an additional uh, thirty-five amendments to the Constitution at least in the next ten years. I mean, that alone tells me that um, they do reference this like massive earthquake that happens in two thousand ten. The big one. The big one. So, Which... what that tells me is that the big one wiped out a good chunk of the United States. Because there's no way that this country is passing 35 amendments, or at or least, however, or at least amendments. took out a large portion of this United States Congress right. from 1997 to, like Doug said, at least 10 years. Arnold Schwarzenegger is 75 years old. Okay, let's say he's got another good 10 years on him, and he's done because he's like famous. You know, he's got like good health care, whatever. That's the year 2032, which is when this movie mm-hmm. takes place. All right, so. Hey, he said plenty of time. But that but how look how many amendments that, and, that is. And and also you have to assume that somewhere in there they made the law that and I quote, whatever is not good for you is bad, hence illegal. It's probably an amendment. So so you get like what what's the list that she throws up there? I mean, some of the ones that we see, um uh, some of the ones that we see cursing. Smoking, uh, smoking spicy foods. Yeah. Um, fluid. Um, how they phrase it? Fluid, fluid transfers. transfers. Fluid transfer. Fluid transfer. Yes. Which, uh, if if you don't know what that means, it's it all means, inclusive. Uh, it means means uh, multiple forms of affection, uh, mm-hmm. namely <laughs> kissing and sex. <laughs> that was a that was a really funny scene like the sex scene between them was like i i honestly thought that i was just gonna get like after afterwards like um spester sloan was just gonna like be like i'll show you what real sex looks like and then you know they do it but he, he certainly did it. tried i i also love and i like that we didn't see that because like i don't need that like come on like you said the joke let's move on um okay uh here it is here's the list that she gives um smoking is not good for you and it's been deemed that anything not good for you is bad hence illegal alcohol caffeine contact sports meat um bad language chocolate gasoline uneducational toys and anything spicy 
<laughs> here's another, here's another one um abortion is also illegal but then again so is pregnancy if you yeah, don't have I, a license i thought about that for a little bit after hearing it wow <laughs> yeah yeah unlicensed pregnancy yeah. is illegal but then they're like well you had the baby so you have to keep it and if you don't we're also going to find you again yeah Talk I about mean, escapism. I, I guess the thought is that uh, if you're going to go through the trouble of getting a license to get pregnant, you're trying to get pregnant. Yeah. Talk about movies being a sense of a, a source of escapism from our current world. Yeah. I miss it. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I just. And uh, you you also get the weird inclusion that everyone doesn't listen to music anymore. They listen to old cartoon jingles. Mm-hmm. So you get and Armor Hot Dogs. Listen to. You get this man on uh, Baby Grand Piano in the middle of Taco Bell playing uh, the Jolly Green Giant. It's, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It is something else. You know what else is so good? The chemistry that we get between um, Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. You damn right. Because I mean, those right. two, like, part of me kind of wishes that this movie also had Nicolas Cage in it, just to have like three guys just giving it their all, and just no no regrets at all, mm-hmm. no regrets. No regrets. You just wanted Nicolas Cage in this movie. Yes, I did. Could you imagine, though? You know, he'd probably be in the franchise wars if they did a spinoff. You know, I feel like he would uh, be uh, Edgar Friendly, and he could honestly, have had a bigger role in the movie. Honestly, here's my mental uh, continuity, is that face-off happens in the same universe as this. Only the difference is that uh, Nicholas Cage's guy kills John Travolta's guy. Nicholas Cage While pretending, pretending to, be to be John Travolta. Travolta. John Travolta's pretending to be Nicholas Cage pretending to be John Travolta kills Nicholas Cage pretending to be John Travolta pretending to be Nicholas Cage. Okay. All right. Anyway. So John Travolta would star in this movie then. Yes. Pretending to be Nicholas Cage. Yes. Tell okay. me. No. Um, <laughs> you, you, you have written here the vibes between Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. Could you please explain the vibes? The vibes? Yeah. I mean... Just their interaction is a vibe. I mean, also, like, the sexual <laughs> okay. tension between the two of them is palpable. <laughs> you know, oh, oh. D- during the scene where they're fighting in the museum exhibit... And they they con like they had like three or four each lines where they said some like corny thing and then they shot at each other. Yeah. I'm 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 so glad that you mentioned that because here are some of my favorite lines that are just exchanged between the two of them. And that's uh, from from Simon Phoenix. So let me get this right. They defrosted you just so you could lasso just so you could lasso me. Dang, you have Okay, in case you haven't caught on yet, I'm censoring these as I read them. Uh, dang, you had, you've been, 
Screw it. I'm just gonna read these with the curse words in it. Just Ben, don't use this as the uh just don't use this as the uh the thing. So let me get this straight. They defrosted you just so you could lasso my piddly ass. Damn, you've been had. I've been dreaming about killing you for 40 years, John Spartan. Yeah, we'll keep dreaming. Um what's uh, what's the one that Phoenix said before he shot the big gun for the first uh, time? I don't know, but you also have Simon Phoenix, you're dead, Spartan. John Spartan, you forgot to say Simon says. I love how they just kept throwing that in there just just long enough for you to like forget it. And then he would come in and be like, Simon says, you're dead. Or something ridiculous. Simon says like die and Simon says bleed. Um, yeah, there's there's some good stuff in here. Um there's some there's some he says no free rides uh when john lands in the police car yeah uh it's a vibe oh wait wait here it is simon thanks it's about time the past is over john time for something new and improved john spartan ah hell to which simon phoenix shoots the gun uh, and Simon says, holy shit, I love this gun. <laughs> There's also a line where he, when he opens the manhole and he's going down into the into the pit and he says, shit, I love that smell. Reminds me of biscuits and gravy. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? Simon? Oh, no. What, what is that? Biscuits Why and does gravy? the sewer remind you of some biscuits and gravy? Where are you well, eating biscuits and gravy? I also love, this is not a, uh, this is not a John Spartan, uh, Simon Phoenix uh, debate, but I love the constant uh, running gag of Lenina Huxley trying to like understand the world that she's now living in through just nineties actions mo- through nineties action movies. Mm. So you get things like Lenina Huxley. He's finally matched his meat. You really licked his ass, John Spartan. That's that was funny. Met his match and kicked kicked his ass. Really, um, like even outside of uh, John Spartan and Phoenix, there are just some great lines like this one. We're police officers. We're not trained to handle this kind of violence. Yes. Uh, or how can you justify destroying a $7 million mini mall to rescue a girl who's ransomed yes! $25,000? F you, Fuck lady. You, lady. Ah, good answer. That's such a good answer. That's such a great lot. I want I want everybody to know if you were listening to this podcast, you've never seen this movie, just go on YouTube, look up, look up Demolition Man. Um you you cause seven million dollars worth of damage and just watch that scene because everybody deserves to hear that little girl just say, F you, lady. It's good. I love it. I love it so much. Um oh man, 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 man. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Well, so good. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say about the quotes. So there's so many good quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, um th- th- this is a clever film. It is. I think. I mean, I I think it's well done in a lot of ways. Um, production isn't always perfect. It's clear that it's on a set often like i mean i i don't know would you say how much did how much was it for this movie that like you produced 57 million dollars 
Also, 57 million. Real quick, mm-hmm. can I say one more quote? Of course you can. Cool. Uh, this happened at the Taco Bell. One of the patrons said, <clears throat> what would you say if I called you a brutish fossil, symbolic of a decayed era, gratefully forgotten? I don't, I don't know. know. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. Um, yes, this movie was made for $57 million. Tristan, continue, continue your point. I mean, that's... I don't know. I'm trying to think about context. That that's not a lot. No, actually, and just um, for inflation, I assume. But it makes every single one of those dollars work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the reasons that the movie works so well is the satire that is used because this is some this is some satire that like you really can you really can grip your teeth into. Yeah, it does it pretty well. Um, um, very much thought this was like a bonehead action film when I started it, and it just, you know, it fed into that a little bit. But it definitely was with with the with the medium that it told that story, and you know, was pretty satirical. And I think, I think you know, the movie does a really good job at sort of showing that. Anytime that you have two groups of people who are so convinced that they are fully and holistically right uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're going to see a class divide that inevitably escalates to dangerous proportions. Um, and I feel like, you know, this is a movie that may not have been as well received like when it came out because it probably was just you know another movie but now i think looking back on it there's so much in this movie that is that i feel like is relevant today mm-hmm. so i could definitely see this movie just becoming a cult classic yeah i mean if it's not already right i mean that you hear it so often i i feel like at least i do Maybe it's because I watch a lot of these cult classic movies. But I think a lot of these movies often become cult classics. Just if it's not popular, someone likes it and they're going to call it a cult classic. What do you guys think about that? Cult classics in general, just like how do they get their name? Like why are they called cult classics? I mean, for one thing, they don't try to be cult classics. Right. And I mean, I know that this is a conversation that we've had in the past, but like, I feel like in order to be a cult classic, it has to not be popular when it comes out, um, which apparently there are conflicting box office numbers. So I don't know if this movie was popular when it came out. Uh, I mean, what would you call a movie that tries to be cult classic then? The opposite of that? Like a Marvel movie? I don't think Marvel tries to be a cult classic. Well, Case in point, case in point, um, the room oh. was a is a cult classic right. that was <clears throat> made by a creator who fully believed he was making great fine cinema. Yeah, um, Sharknado is not a cult classic because they knew dang well what they were doing. Sharknado is a movie that is made on the premise that it is so bad it's good. Right. And they succeeded. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of movies out there that don't, that are like that. And But but here's here's my thing, is that 
how many people talk about Sharknado nowadays and how many people talk about the room still. Yep, that's true. People talk about the room. That's true. And I think I think as time goes on, I think you'll continue to see that the room stays this cult classic, whereas mm -hmm. something like Sharknado uh you know, still has a following, but it's not nearly as big or uh universal as so i think for it to be a, a cult classic it's got to either be like a movie that was wasn't appreciated in its time or that has built some sort of following afterwards and people aren't still trying to make money off of it mm -hmm. so like the room like something like clue for instance although apparently there's a new or a reboot of clue that's coming soon there it uh, is. The, I saw that Ryan Reynolds was associated with. Um, I I don't know how I feel about that, but I saw that. Um, but I think of another one. Uh, might be a controversial selection for that for this, but the Iron Giant mm -hmm. was not well received in theaters and didn't become popular until it started airing on Cartoon Network. And DVD sales yeah. shot up for it. I guess oh, VHS so? sales. Mm -hmm. hmm. Or or like um or like uh Rocky Horror Picture Show is the cult classic. Right. It is it is the epitome of a cult classic. That's true. And I feel like they've done live versions of Rocky Horror. They did a uh sort of updated version they did the same show um the same movie with the same like lines and everything but just with updated actors and that has just faded into nothingness whereas the original you know it was a movie that was made trying to trying to be a good little art house movie and it became the epitome of a cult classic mm -hmm. or maybe something like um Troll 2. Yeah, Troll 2. I can't believe that we did two episodes on that movie. <laughs> just, just, it was just not my while, choice. We're, while we're here. I can't and we still we have not done an episode on, on the documentary about the movie. It's bad. It's a really sad documentary. Uh, like, like it's depressing. It. I genuinely, I watched that documentary and got very depressed. I was like, this is just sad. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, how are we feeling about the franchise wars? If there is ever a sequel or a prequel made to this movie, I want it to just be about the franchise wars. I do not care about anything else that happens in this world. I want to know exactly what the franchise wars were. And even though I'm sure there's some like just uh some just like stock market business drama like the big short or um or moneyball, um I want to see the franchise wars. What do you think the franchise wars is? Or what was? do I think it is or what do I want it to be? What, what I think it is is something kind of like the rock and roller cola wars from the 1980s. Anybody anybody familiar with that? I know the um, rock and roller coaster. <laughs> You're I'm familiar with the reference in uh, Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. Yeah. So the Cola Wars were this huge like back and forth marketing campaign between Pepsi and Coke 
trying to see who could get the biggest market share of soda purchases of soda sales um in america and like they put millions and millions of dollars into these uh campaigns um yeah yeah that's that's why i think the cult, the franchise wars probably were what do i want them to be I want like all out hunger games with representatives from district McDonald's facing off against representatives from district uh, Arby's from district Taco Bell. I want, I want an all out bloodbath. And, you know, I think it's interesting how uh, Taco Bell was selected for this um, because Taco Bell was the only one that thought it was worth it because uh, Tristan, I think you uh, told us that McDonald's and Burger King both said, you know, we're good. Also, speaking of cola wars, Taco Bell was owned by PepsiCo at this point. Mm-hmm. Taco Bell is still owned by PepsiCo. Well, there point. you go. So maybe that's part of the cola wars. Is it early nineties? What do you think, boys? Oh man, I think that's actually really funny. I think that's so. Cool. Taco Bell had the backing of PepsiCo to lead them to world domination in the form of restaurants. And you know what I find? UK, pizza. You know what I find really also funny. Well, Pizza Hut also is owned by PepsiCo. Yeah. You know what I find really funny is that Coca Cola has had three opportunities to buy out PepsiCo outright mm-hmm. in the past, and they turn them down every time because they don't see them as a real threat. But PepsiCo has always had a higher market share, or has always been a more valuable company than Coke because they just branch out from solely sodas yeah and other I'm, i mean i think if coke did buy out pepsi ultimately i feel like they would lose business because i mean there wouldn't be that competition to drive business yeah because i mean there's no other major soda company to compete with those two yeah it's a good point well i think more realistically the franchise wars to end, to end this part on a boring note <laughs> Would just, I mean, they already had the big bad war where a bunch of people died, right? We don't like, know that. Well, at least in we LA. We don't know that. The Hollywood we know that there was mass chaos in the 90s, and then we wake up in the 2030s, and it's completely different. Well, they declared LA a no fly, like no commercial flight zone. So they say that in like the first minute. Okay. That's all we know. That's big. That's that's pretty big. You can't fly there at all. That's bad. So yeah. that's some that's some domestic squabble, if Something you want to call it that. Um, the franchise wars are probably more like just a bunch of over advertising all the time. Yeah, and until eventually, like companies just ate each other. Yeah, but what Something I want like you that. to think about is how cool would it be to see a movie in which the Colonel. Sanders uh walks into a room to meet with Ronald also owned by PepsiCo probably um in which the Colonel Sanders walks into a meeting with Ronald S McDonald and says now Ronald my friend I do believe that we can make some sort of headway here if you'll just give us a a moment of your time give us a give us a little bit of mac as opposed to the big mac a little bit of finger licking time and and Ronald says, "Well, Cur- well, Colonel, you know, I don't know that I'm loving that." Um, to which Colonel Sanders says, "Well, you know what I have to say about that? 
that is not what I would call finger looking good. And then he uh, produces a katana and slices Ronald McDonald's head off. Hmm. And, and then all of a sudden you see another katana come through the colonel's chest. And behind him, it is the Burger King yes. who says, and that is how we do it my way. There all it right. is. So I do have one last question for you boys before we end this episode. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Can I say, can I say one other thing in that Fine. the reason, well, the reason that all the Taco Bell people were able to survive the franchise wars is because they knew how to live Moss. <laughs> That's funny. That was good. I'll, I'll give you that. That is all I have to I say. I also feel that. like Taco Bell, canonically in my brain, what happened Taco Bell was the only one that cared enough to stick around through all this. Yeah, totally. Like in real life, uh, McDonald's, Burger King, they were just like, you know what? We're good. I mean, yeah. they keep bringing back the nacho fries. So You know what? You know what I bet really I mean, happened? McDonald's keeps bringing back the McRib. You know what I bet really happened? I bet Taco Bell was the first one to figure out how to use the three seashells. And you ruined and my segue, Doug. And that's what happened. Well, go ahead. Well, what was your segue going to be? Well, it's not, not going to work anymore, but I was going to say, well, boys, before I let you go, I do have one last question for you. Okay. How do those three seashells work? Well, I want everyone to tell me what, what is your look? I'll go first. Okay. But I want everyone to say, what do you think? Like how, how do you wipe just, your butt with them? Okay. Just, just so, just so everybody's clear. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie before, a running joke is that they don't have toilet paper in the future. They have three seashells and that's what you're supposed to use in the restaurant. Like we're 45 minutes in this podcast. I'm just saying. I, I, I have no sympathy. <laughs> I'm just saying. Right. Um, well, Tristan, okay. tell us how would you well, use the three look, seashells? Look, you got three shells. Okay. You, you use the first one to wipe the outer part of your butt off. So you scoop the poop you poopity scoop the poop off your butt okay and you can you clean that part okay and then you drop the shell (laughs) because it's made for shells (laughs) and then you get the second shell and you go in and you and you and you you really get in the anus and you, you you scoop out the rest of it okay all right then you drop that in the toilet because it's made for shells and then you take the third shell and you just clean up the rest any any leftovers you know you'd be very meticulous with it take your time and and then you throw in the pillow and if you can't if you can't clean your butt off and those three moves you're not worth having a clean butt so that's, that's, that's it, it. i'm gonna have to mark that this podcast has sensitive uh information in it aren't i sure it's demolition i'm glad that man. i'm glad i'm glad that i'm glad that we just came to that realization Sensitive because here's what i think here's how i think the three shells the three seashells okay. work okay so i think what it is is that you make sort of like a sort of like hold on so you make oh, sort Doug's of like a, a visual for our sort of audio like a, uh, like a sandwich mm-hmm. of the of the shells um uh, a sort of like a sandwich like pincher pincer like a claw kind of thing yeah, yeah. with the um with the thing and you and you take the pincher go in and like clamp everything up and then mm-hmm. and then drop it into the toilet 
And then kind of what Tristan was saying, you take the third shell and just do a last minute scrape. Okay. Um, so no offense, but you guys are both wrong. Okay. And I'm going to explain how. First of all, I don't think you can just do away with seashells because we do see a bathroom at one point in this movie. It's there's only three seashells. There's not like another supply of them. It's just the three. So that tells me they're reusable. Mm-hmm. Two, modern science tells us that there's a good chance that seashells are kind of on their way out. You know, you go to the beach and you don't really get those good seashells anymore. The acidity in the water has started to break those up more. So in seashells 2030, are out. Hey, I'm still talking. Don't interrupt me. I'm I'm just helping. Thank you. Um. So, number two, that tells me these aren't real seashells. So, walk with me here. Okay. What uh, we use these seashells for. <laughs> so, the first one, um, you know, you would think scooping, but <laughs> you would be wrong. Okay. You see, they're not designed for scooping. They're designed for spraying. So you've got this first one. It sprays a soapy solution to start to clean your buttocks. And then the second one, uh, you come in with the rinse factor to... Uh, are these real shells? Bidet. No, I literally oh, so said like that they are not. it's like a portable bidet. Okay. Right. It's a three-part so bidet. So it's like a you... handheld bidet. Right. A, like... a three-part bidet. You've got the soapy water. You've got like the rinsing water. And then you've got a sanitizing agent that you okay. do at the end to make you smell nice and fresh. All right. You basically... So basically what, what, ben is saying, what Ben is saying is that you have soapy shell, spray shell, and poopery shell. You have a bidet. Perfect. You have a three-part bidet that is more technologically advanced than the bidets of today. But it's just a shell. Exactly. <laughs> it just looks like a shell for some reason. And with that, I think it's time we score this sucker. All right. Doug, why don't you get us started this evening? I'm going to give this movie, of course, three seashells. Of course. But I'm also going to give this movie a nice round 82. I love there... this movie. It's this is one this is one of my favorite action movies ever. I think it's hilarious. I think it works so well. Okay. That's good. Um Listen. I'm gonna give this movie a 76. Um, you know, not the best product produced movie, lots of 90s isms. Um but it's funny, it's well made, it's clever. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed myself, and I'd watch it again. For all the same reasons, um, since Doug stole my joke, <clears throat> I am going to just give this an 80. I think this movie is pretty solid. Um, would probably watch it again. I probably wouldn't like seek it out to watch it again, but if it was on, I'd be like, you know, it seems interesting. Right, after plugging that into our patented scorometer. That gives, <laughs> excuse me, a uh, final score of a 79.3. Repeating. So go watch this movie. It's yeah. really fun. It's I a lot of fun. It. It's yeah. a lot of fun. It's worth it. 
Now, we have some um, big news because next week is not just going to be any ordinary episode. It is no, going no, to be no. our 100th episode as setting the skein. 100, baby. 100. Um, so we have something very special planned for next week. Should yeah. we tell them or should we leave them I, hanging? I honestly think let's let's keep them in suspense okay. all we'll say all we'll say is we're doing something we have never done before on this podcast that is true do but i we know if doing... we'll ever do it again no but and it is something that has been done on another podcast about that something has been different. referenced a podcast that i have referenced multiple times and the subject matter of which we actually mentioned in this podcast yeah and that's all i'm gonna say because i'm confused Anyway, it's gonna be a lot of fun, though. It will be a lot of fun. We yeah. don't know if it's gonna work, but I think it'll work. It'll it'll be fun it, if it, nothing it'll else. Work. If nothing else, uh, you listeners at home will get to find out every single person who listens to this podcast. And also, mm. also, the really great news is that, unlike with our former podcast, some jerks who talk about movies, there will be an episode one hundred one uh, of this podcast. Yay! How exciting! How about that? Yeah. I don't know what we're doing for it, but uh, it's probably no, no clue. No clue. Shout out it's to the uh, 70 or so Dutch, apparently, that are listening mm-hmm. instead of the three that I mentioned a lot. No, 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 no. No. Look, oh. I, I said this earlier, not on the podcast, but I'm done with the Dutch. Look, they abandoned us. They have not listened to saying this game. Uh-uh. Bump the Dutch. Oh, wow. Uh, well, all you Dutch that are out there listening, uh, tune in next week. And you know, get your revenge on Cameron Duck in the second. <laughs> or don't. I, I, you revenge. know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Look, Come on, Dutch. You, look, Come you, at probably, me. you probably know get where your Dutch re- works. Okay. Get get your revenge by coming and listening to the podcast in numbers we cannot even imagine. If seventy-one Dutch listeners listen to episode one hundred of the podcast, then I will do a live stream watching every single Dutch film ever made <laughs> on YouTube. I'm going to hold you to that, Doug. Okay. <laughs> and you're going to have to start with the Ant-Man trilogy. Karen, right? Or, sorry, Ant-Boy trilogy. Ant-Boy. <laughs> yeah, bring it on, Dutch. 71 <laughs> listeners. That's what I want. I will. I will be watching the analytics very closely because watch I really like want three that years from now watch like three years from now <laughs> the episode just randomly gets 71 dutch listeners <laughs> and it's like doug we have to get like we're old men in three years and you're like doug we have to watch all of the dutch films no or only you, you at least you, you do at least you i, I said nothing all right i want the dutch president um I want the Dutch president and the Dutch prime minister. I want them to personally watch the episode because I know that they listen. I know that they are the only two Dutch people who have continued to listen. I want them to come and listen to episode 100. And I want I them don't to think make. The Netherlands has a president. Comes with the office, really. You have to listen prime to the podcast. Yeah. They have a queen or a king. They have a prime minister. I don't know, nor do I care. All I want is I want some Dutch to freaking listen to our podcast next week. Well, you insulted them. So it is worthy of the Dutch. All right, folks. Anyway, 
Yeah, uh, be sure to tune next week to find out what it is exactly that we're doing. Um, but it'll be a lot of fun. You absolutely will not want to miss it. Uh, be sure to keep up with us on uh, social media at Vider Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we've got new episodes of Setting the Scheme coming out every Wednesday. Uh, so be sure to tune in for that. And until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. And I'm Tristan. And this has been Setting the Scheme. I hope you all have a, a wonderful week. Unless you're the Dutch. No, even if you're the Dutch, you can have a good week too. Bye.